0: How would you like to do church like Jesus did? Over the past few years, we've learned that church can happen in a very meaningful way outside of a church building. In fact, we're getting raving reviews from our house churches, which are now over 100. Though I thank God for churches in buildings and on campuses, God is leading more and more people these days to gather for church in their homes. Not only is it easier for many people to attend a house church, but a house church can offer a level of community that campuses can't. Well, I'm excited to announce that every Thursday in December and January, I plan to host a house church interest meeting on Zoom at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. If you're not attending a church right now and are interested, or if you know of anyone who's interested, then all they have to do is email us at hcinfo at solidlives.com or click the link in the description of this video. Okay, now let me welcome you to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman, where we read and talk through a chapter of the New Testament every day. I'm glad you're here because reading God's word daily will change your life. I'd appreciate it if you'd help others find this resource by sharing the link, and if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay, now let's pray and we'll jump into God's word. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it's inspired. I pray that each person watching or listening today will hear what you have to say to them through your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 18, and here's what it says. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, not give up, so to speak, not get discouraged. Verse two saying, here's the parable, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. So he's breaking the two most important commandments, love God and love people, right? Well, this judge was not like that. He did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Did you hear what the unjust judge said? And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So this is a very interesting parable because uh, there's an unjust judge and there's a widow. And the widow should have justice, but this guy doesn't care about justice. But Jesus said, even this unjust man will bring the answer that this lady needs because she persists and persists and persists. And just to get her off of, off of his back, he gives it to her. And then Jesus said, if he'll do that by her persistent. So will God do it. And God will avenge his own elect. In other words, well, who elected them? He did. He did. Everybody in the body of Christ, everybody that's truly born again, they are the elect. God elected them. Jesus said, He will uh, avenge his own elect who cry out day and night, who cry out day and night. Folks, we need to pray and we need to stay with it. We need to ask and we need to stay with it. We don't just ask for things that, of course, according to the will of God, but we don't just ask for things and just say, well, if you wanted to do it, he would have done it. No, Jesus is saying, no, call out to him. Father will be moved by your prayers. Why? You're his elect, you're his people. And it says, will not God, will God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Though he bears long with them, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. In other words, he's not going to delay too long. He'll do it speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Oh, may he find faith in me. May he find faith in you. May we ask fervently and call on God to change things and make a difference. Okay, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men, he said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, or prayed this way, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector, uh, which is terrible that he would be thinking about that. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breasts, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Boy, what a powerful teaching that is. Verse 15. Then they also brought infants to him, that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them. Of course, the disciples didn't rebuke the infants. They were rebuking the parents that brought them. But Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Isn't that interesting? Of such is the kingdom of God. Now, is that telling us that there are children in heaven? (laughs) Well, I think so. I think so. You know, every miscarriage, I believe every abortion, I believe means that a child goes directly to heaven and grows up in heaven. And, uh, Jesus speaks as if they love children in heaven. And of course they do. Of course they do. Precious. And so he's saying here on earth, let the children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verse 17, assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. We have to be that simple in our thinking just to believe the gospel, to believe God, And to take God at his word like children do. Some people would call that naive, but it's not naive. It's just simply believing God and responding to him as a little child would. Verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Boy, wouldn't you like for Jesus to say you only lack one thing? You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, this is uh, likely a real needle, like a needle and thread that we would use to sew. But, you know, also, it's interesting that when you go to the Middle East, like when I visit Israel, I've been there 17 times, they have these gates, but within these big, massive gates, they have a a door. And uh, the way that this would work is if you were in a city that had big gates, well, those gates would be open during the day, but at night, those gates would be shut. Why? Because you don't want an enemy army rushing through the gates and taking over the city while you're sleeping. And so uh, if a traveler, say that was from your city, got back late into the evening, well, they don't want to open the big gates for this traveler to come through. So they would just open that door. Well, what happens, though, if the traveler has a camel that he's trying to get in? Well... They still didn't want to open the gate. So what would they have to do? They would open that small door within the gate. They'd have to unpack the camel, you know, take every all the, you know, supplies and everything off of the camel, get that camel down on his knees and work that camel through that door, which is not easy, by the way. You can imagine trying to work with a camel and pulling that thing. I've seen them work with those camels, making them stand up and kneel down and such and trying to get him to get through that door and then bring every all the supplies back through and pack him back up so the man can go to his house in the city. And so in the same way it is you know it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, in a sense this is what Jesus was doing with this man. He was telling him, I want you to unload everything that you have and then come on into the kingdom of God. Follow me. But the man didn't want to unload So he couldn't make it in. He couldn't make it in with all that because he had trust in money. And so those who heard what Jesus said, said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, see, we left all and followed you, which was true. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. So notice in this present time, what's happening? I'll load the camel back up. If you'll lay your life, give whatever you have to give to do what I tell you to do, I'll bless you (laughs) On the other side of this, I'll bless you in this present time, and you'll have eternal life in the life to come. Okay, verse 31. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him. That is the the whipping that he took, the cat of nine tails and such. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day, he will rise again. But they understood none of the things, uh, none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. They just could not get their minds around what he was saying, and it was hidden from them. It's like God blocked their understanding from really. Uh, comprehending it. Verse 35, then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David. Now, the fact that he called him son of David m- meant that he was calling him the Messiah And so that's a big deal right there. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What is he saying? You've had mercy on other people and healed them. Have mercy on me. In other words, he's not crying out that he deserves to be healed. He's crying out that mercy would be extended that he may be healed. Verse 39, then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet but he cried out all the more. So they're telling him, stop it. This is a prophet. You're making a scene. You're you're acting foolishly. But he would not be stopped. You remember, we were teaching, Jesus was teaching in earlier chapters, saying, be persistent in your prayer. Be persistent in your prayer. Well, let's just see what happens when somebody is. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 40, so Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be brought to him and when he had come near he asked him saying what do you want me to do for you now this is really interesting to me that here's a blind man they're leading him you know it's evident that he's blind he can't see but instead of jesus presuming that he wants healing for his blindness he wants him to ask and this is the way god is with us he he wants us to ask ask don't just say well god knows what i need let him just do it no The Bible says, ask. He wants us to ask. So Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Your faith. Well, what faith did he have? Just by yelling, crying out, being relentless, uh, not listening to everybody else tell him that you shouldn't be calling out like that or you shouldn't be doing it again and again and again. He did it. Why? Because he believed that Jesus would have mercy on him if he could just get his attention. And so he said, your faith has made you well. Notice how many times Jesus commented on the person's faith or with the the people that were carrying the guy on the stretcher. He saw their faith. Notice how many times the Bible comments on the people's faith. We know Jesus had faith, but so many times it comments on the people's faith. Your faith has made you well. Verse 43, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So once again, we see in the ministry of Jesus that he's telling us, ask and be persistent and believe and call on the Lord and trust him and look to him. And don't you give up until he answers your prayer. Folks, let's let's pray. Maybe you can stop and pray right now. We've taken some time to read the word and to hear from the Lord. Now stop and pray and pray big things. Uh, pray things according to the will of God, but pray big things. Be persistent because God is a powerful God and he's also a faithful God. All right. I'll see you tomorrow for
1: chapter 19. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.